York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Almost like uh, I wasn't even away. Having finished a shift in the wee hours of the morning from 1 o'clock to 6 o'clock, with uh, little, if any, uh, phone capacity, we will see if AT&T, Verizon, whomever, has been able to patch these phones in to all of you so that you can communicate with me because... What I do, yours truly, Curtis Lee, is a stream of consciousness. I don't interview guests. I don't have uh, the yes, amen choir. You know, oh, I totally agree with you. Absolutely. You couldn't be more hopelessly right. No, 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 no. I don't do that. I open it up to discussion on a wide range and level, and especially on a frigid Arctic day like today, where after I finished at 6... I had to deliver two of our rescue cats uh, to do what they are primed to do, which is to hunt down mice, rodents, and rats. It's Mother Nature's way as opposed to pesticides. And then took the number seven train to John Rockers Express to the last stop, Flushing. And in the midst of the annual Lunar New Year Parade, Chinese Americans and Asian Americans everywhere... And boy, was I a hit with the Guardian Angels because in this past election against Eric Adams, well, I guess he's going to call me a cracker. Uh, we'll be talking about that in the 3 o'clock hour. Uh, the Eric Adams uh, apologies to Mayor Copas for calling white cops crackers back when he was coming up through the ranks. Uh, that video has come back to haunt him, but he has done his Mayor Copas, Mayor Copas, Mayor Maxima Copas. And has not claimed it was a matter of free speech. But an even bigger issue has exploded onto the nation's sphere. And it has to do with Joe Rogan. Because remember, this time last week, I was in a dilemma. There it is with Neil Young's rocking in the free world. You can give me a little bit more here, Maestro. A little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. That's right. Neil Young of uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. It was Neil Young standing up to Spotify saying, if you don't pimp slap down Joe Rogan for giving out misinformation having to do with COVID-19, I'm pulling my entire playlist. And people said, "Ah, no biggie. You know, you're a boomer. Your day is past. It's over. Joe Rogan gets $100 million and has millions and millions of listeners. So why would Spotify pay any attention to you? And then... All of a sudden, Joni Mitchell joined him. Joni Mitchell, who uh, in her time, a fellow Canadian of Neil Young, uh, had affairs with not only Neil Young, 
Uh, but also, Graham Nash from the U.K., bad boy David Crosby. The only one she didn't have an affair with was Stephen Stills of uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. But now it's the Cornella. So at the end of this week, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young pulled their playlist from Spotify, as did uh, Joni Mitchell. And Niles Lofkin of the E Street Band, originally also Crazy Horse, with Neil Young. So the number of artists were mounting, but obviously pale, pale in terms of the amount of money that Joe Rogan is making for Spotify. The number of subscribers that he has brought to Spotify and the fact that he has the number one podcast in the world. Even though I don't like the guy, that muscle head, do not like Joe Rogan. But I noticed there was a different air uh, in response to the old fogies. Of course, we stills Nash and Young, Joni Mitchell, now Niall Sofgren of the E Street Band. Uh, he basically did a bit of a pirouette at the beginning of the week and said, no, 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 it's okay. You can put advisories uh, on all of my interviews. Uh, that what's being said here is fake, phony, fraudulent, and fugazi. You know, but hey, what the hell? It's an advisory. Most people are not going to pay attention to it. They're going to listen to my podcast anyway. But then all of a sudden, oh, boy, whereas Eric Adams had his cracker moment, Joe Rogan has his N-bomb moment. And I mean, ha! We're, we're talking about, oh, my God, about 70 different programs that he's done over the years. I was completely unaware of this, and I'm sure even many of his followers were unaware of this, but that in about 70 of the programs that Spotify had listed, all different dates, but mostly in the early part of his uh, podcasting career, this guy was dropping the N-bomb like there was no tomorrow. And you know, ladies and gentlemen, you dropped the N-bomb and you're a white boy, and you ain't Snoop Dogg and Dr. Trey. You're in double trouble. You ain't Jay-Z, uh, whose complexion is his protection when he drops the N-bomb. If you're the mighty whitey, the snow bro, the Caucasian persuasion like Joe Rogan, you got massive trouble. And so he had to scramble because he's got a target on his back. And even though Spotify pays him $100 million, and even though he is the most popular of all po- podcasters in the world with a growing audience – and he can fill up Madison Square Garden, and he can fill up the Barclays Center, and he can fill up stadiums all across America and Canada, you know that when you've dropped the N-bomb and you're a white boy, oh, boy, you may not survive this. So all of a sudden, Joe Rogan decided, man, I can't get ahead of this curve, so I got to try to respond to this curve. And I want to find out from all of you as I play his cuts if you're going to go to the mat with Joe Rogan on this one because this is going to cost Spotify money. This is going to cost uh, money in terms of stock investments, the value of the stock. And you know all the CEOs and the COOs. That's all they care about. It's not about artistic license and artistic freedom. Uh, you know that went the way of, uh, what was that, Facebook that became Meta? 
Meta World Peace. You remember Ron Artest, Meta World Peace, St. John's University, grew up in Queensbridge, the projects, largest public housing project in America, right along the East River in the shadow of the 59th Street Bridge, Queensboro Bridge, Ed Koch Bridge. Can't you figure out one freaking name to call that bridge? And Ron Artest was a crazy man in high school and a crazier guy at St. John's College. And then remember, he started that fight. When he was uh, with the Indiana Pacers uh, against the Detroit Pistons and went right into the stands. And then he renamed himself Meta World Peace and won a championship with the Los Angeles Lakers, courtesy of Kobe Bryant and the Shaq. Remember that? Remember that? So do you think that Zuckerberg got that name Meta from on our test, uh, Meta World Peace? I think so. But anyway, his his stock crashed uh, like <laughs> he lost billions. So you see, this could happen with Spotify. It's on the cusp now. Use the M-bomb. Over and over and over. Now, 70 times. 70 episodes. Well, this is what he had to say. This is what he had to say in defense of a white boy dropping the M-bomb. I'm making this video to talk about the most regretful and shameful thing that I've ever had to talk about publicly. There's a video that's out that's a compilation of me saying the N-word. It's a video that's made of clips taken out of context of me of 12 years of conversations on my podcast. And it's all smushed together. And it looks horrible, even to me. Hmm. (laughs) 12 years. That's a lot of use of the N-word, pal. I can see once, twice. See the way... uh... The Italian stallions, the Supreme Cuisines, used to get around that. They would call black guys moulinans, which was based on eggplant. And then the black guys would call the Italian stallions, the Supreme Cuisines, spaghetti benders. And they go back and forth. You know, it's like, you want eggplant in your spaghetti? I mean, but they if you use the N-word publicly, and certainly a lot of these Supreme Cuisines did, it's almost like you had a scarlet letter on you. You could have almost said anything else. Rogan, 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 what, what motivated you to do that? Now, I know that to most people, there is no context where a white person is ever allowed to say that word, never mind publicly on a podcast. And I agree with that now. I haven't said it in years, but for a long time, when I would bring that word up, like if it would come up in conversation, and stay, instead of saying the N-word, I would just say the word. I thought as long as it was in context, people would understand what I was doing. Like that context was part of the clip we were talking about Red Fox, how Red Fox said that word on television in the 1970s and how times have changed so much since then. Or about how Richard Pryor used it as one of the titles of one of his albums. Or I was quoting a Lenny Bruce bit, or I was clo- quoting a Paul Mooney bit, or a, I was talking about how Quentin Tarantino used it repeatedly in Pulp Fiction, or I was talking about how a Netflix executive, ironically, used it because he was trying to compare it to another offensive word, and he said it out loud, and they fired him. Uh could you have been so hopelessly naive? Maybe because you were a UFC mixed martial arts uh, fighter, a musclehead. Uh, you got a few spinning hook kicks in the head and didn't realize you don't have a license to use the N-word. You just don't. Your complexion is not your protection. 
You're a brother, man. You can machine gun that N-bomb morning, noon, and night. You get props. You get awards. You'll get an Oscar. You'll get an Emmy. You'll get the BET Award for black excellence. You're like Snoop Dogg, right? Who drops the N-word a mile a minute. He's going to be entertaining the halftime show in the Super Bowl. Oh, we can't say the Super Bowl. That's right. We have we have to say the game. How stupid is that? Do you imagine this? They got the license to the Super Oh, no. The game. Sounds like a wrestler in the WWE, right? The game. This is the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. This America landed the free home of the brave, right? We accused the red Chinese. That's right. They're Chinese, not our Chinese, like in Taiwan, a.k.a. Formosa of being oppressive. But isn't that pretty damn oppressive? I mean, at least we could say the Red Chinese Olympic Games, right? But we can't say the Super Bowl. Uh, Who's oppressing who here? The NFL? Oh, by the way, Al Slim Shady Sharpton, that's right, is going to uh, to take some kind of measure against uh, the NFL commissioner, Goodell, and the NFL owners, uh, the whales there. Because how Flores was denied an opportunity, at least how Slim Shady Sharpton said, uh, to become a uh, coach for either the Denver Broncos, the New York Giants, and other teams. Uh, Even though he had been a coach for the Miami Dolphins for three years, got washed out by their owner, Ross. He claims, hey, Ross gave me $100,000 a game to lose so we'd be in a better position to have a top draft pick. Oh, a lot of Michigan, yeah, I don't know what to believe in that. Uh, I don't believe Ross. I mean, that's the guy who owns uh, Hudson Yards. It's empty. There's nobody there. They're going to have to build mausoleums there or, or build storage. Other than CNN, which used to be the Clinton National Network, make that the Cuomo National Network. It was the Clinton National Network and the Cuomo National Network until Andrew Evilized Cuomo decided he was going to settle all scores. And he took out sucker. And he's coming for all friends and foes as none of those perv charges have stuck. No indictments criminally, maybe civilly. And I have a feeling that Andrew Evilized Cuomo will soon be announcing with a $16 million war chest a run for the Democratic nomination to replace Tish James as the Attorney General of New York, who only has eyes to sue Trump, 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 Trump family members, Trump business concerns. In fact, I was with Tish James. In Flushing, Long Main Street, she was marching, dressed all in red, because red is the color of the uh, Asian uh, Lunar New Year. I say, hey, Tish, what do you think about Cuomo having to sit down with Eric Adams? Uh, uh, it bother you a little bit, huh, Tish? Two-hour Italian restaurant on 52nd Street, huh, Tish? She ignored me, like all the Democrats ignored me today, because they know I won the Asian vote. Boy, talk about a stream of conscience, consciousness. Talk about... Uh, digressing and going in a million different directions. Now, let's get back to Joe Rogan because he's in the hot seat. We're going to see on Monday if Spotify stock begins to tumble, if the CEO is going to be all that supportive of Joe Rogan, who apparently was dropping the N-word quite a bit, took out 70 episodes. So that meant uh, that Spotify, the engineers, um, or the producers, had culled from 70 different episodes Joe Rogan using the N-word. Man, that's ooh, <laughs> that's a lot of episodes. But this is what Joe Rogan said finally. He can't take it back. There's nothing I can do to take that back. 
I wish I could. Obviously, that's not possible. I do hope that, if anything, that this can be a teachable moment. Because I never thought it would ever be taken out of context and put in a video like that. And now that it is, holy is bad. Isn't that what Professor Alan Dershowitz said? Uh, the whoops, though. Whoopi Goldberg I had was a teachable moment and not calling the master plan to annihilate Jews in World War II by the Nazis and Hitler uh, racism, but rather man's inhumanity to man. Oh, boy, did she catch it on the chops. She's saying, oh, you know something? Uh, I, I'm not going back. Yeah, they put me uh, They put me on the shelf for two weeks. I may not come back. Uh, to the duress of Joyless Behar. Joyless Behar, her running mate, uh, who had that foe, that uh, Fugazi uh, outrage. She's really not Jewish. I mean, uh, Joyless Behar is Italian, Siciliano. I went to the uh, wake of her father in Williamsburg. Every wise guy in North Williamsburg was going, was going there on Driggs Avenue. And that's when uh, Joyless Behar was doing the mid-morning show here at WABC following Angels in the Morning at that time that featured yours truly, Curtis Lewa, and my, my first, second, third, uh, my second wife, now known as Lisa Evers, field correspondent reporter for the local Fox 5 affiliate. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Are you going to remain loyal to Joe Rogan? What do you think? It's over. I, I don't know of any white guys who have survived using the N-bomb. Not even Slim Shady with all his cred. How many of you, when you first listened to Slim Shady, 8 Mile, right, Detroit, you thought, hey, that's a brother, right? You say, that's not a white guy. And you turn to, oh, my God, he's the mighty whitey. And not even Slim Shady would use the N-bomb. No, 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 not third base uh, from uh, out there in Far Rockaway, uh, white boy rappers, and of course, Beastie Boys. No, they never dropped the N-bomb. I don't know of any white guys who've ever dropped the N-bomb and survived. This would be like surviving a nuclear explosion, Hiroshima, Nagasaki. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Oh, 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 when we come back, no. There was a white guy who did survive the end bomb, and now it's, it's now come to me. You know, my brain, my medulla and cerebellum was frozen. It's like below zero, freezing out there. I, I remember now. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Bad habits here. Bad habits, Joe Rogan. I can feel the paradise before my world Will your world shatter? What about that $100 million payout? Bad Habits. 70 episodes pulled by Spotify, apparently, in which Joe Rogan was dropping the N-bomb. But, you know, I did remember, although not on the radio, 
the king of all media, Howard Stern. Remember? Oh, yeah, yeah, that uh, TV uh, program in which he had Ted Danson dressed in blackface during a Friars Club roast to then-girlfriend, here she is again, Whoopi Goldberg. And Stern wore blackface to play Danson and used the N-word over and over and over. And if I remember correctly, uh, in that um, show, his sidekick, uh, Robin Quivers, was not all that accepting of the king of all media dropping the end uh, bomb, and he survived by the skin of his teeth. Remember? You remember that? What was that? Uh, that was only about a year ago, what, 20, 22 years ago. I think right before the lockdown and pandemic or soon after. Well, he did He did survive. He did survive. Let's go to the phone, though. Uh, let's go to Eric in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Eric. Hey, Curtis, what's going on? Okay, Martin Scorsese. Uh, Steve Martin, Joe Rogan, obviously, he survived. He's alive. He's <laughs> bigger than ever. Uh, Quentin Tarantino, and I think Dennis Hopper. Um, that's just off the top of my head. Use the word, said it in movies. You know, um, and I, if I'm talking about the word, I just say the word. I've always have, you know. Um, so, I mean, it's just, it's just so, it's so childish. And when did this start? I mean, the Scorsese thing, I was in Taxi Driver. That's in the 70s. How many movies has he made since then? You know what I mean? It's like... Uh, something I can never. I'm sorry. I have ten other things to say, but like, what do you think? I mean, oh, oh, one more thing. I question the timing of this coming out. Like, why now after Eric Adams? To, to oh, look, to oh, white people are racist too. Like, they haven't been trying to jam that down everybody's throat. You know, it's, I just I question the timing, and this is going to go bad on them because look who they installed in the White House. <laughs> you know, um, are you on drugs, Eric? Uh, any mood stabilizers? Just nervous. I'm just nervous. No, no, I understand. I understand. You don't have to be nervous, right? You really sound like you're a bit frantic. Um, you haven't hit the meth pipe, have you? <laughs> I, I, I should start. Uh, you don't know. But, no, 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 I, mean, I do. I do. You know, um, maybe a little um, Ritalin might get you a little focused there, Eric. Do you, you ever think maybe trying that Adderall? <laughs> Come on, man. No, look, I, I, you know, I, I can't prescribe drugs, but I've seen enough drugs and seen what they can do. You did seem a little bit manic there. Even you would have to acknowledge that, right, Eric? No, you know what? Because I got to rush it all in because you only have so much time to take calls, so you got to kind of. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm different. Yeah. I'm different, Eric. Don't I, there's no rush with me. If you're if you're a good caller, if you have things to say. You you get to you get to talk as if you were a guest, because that's what this is—an exchange of ideas. Your turn to be heard. Now, if you just give me a soundbite, uh, I introduce you to Mister Click. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Well, I talk, I talk to Reed all the time, but it's all right. well, I'll tell you what. Well, you know, you need you need uh, you you have a little bit too much of a mood elevation. We need to stabilize you. Maybe a little liquid Prozac. I think I would prescribe. Now, remember, psychiatrists can prescribe, psychologists cannot. So if I had script, because, you know, everybody in Manhattan, you know, all the wealthy people, you got to use my psychiatrist. You know, middle-class poor people, they don't even want to acknowledge that they're going to see a shrink. Well, wealthy people, oh, you got to use my psychiatrist. I, I go for therapy twice a week. And then they tell you all the drugs they're on. What a weird world it is, right? 
Anyway, uh, let's go to Ralph calling from Mineola. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Ralph, hey. Hey, Curtis. How are you, buddy? Uh, 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 Ralphie, Ralphie, Ralphie. Rules and regulations. I am going to have to reach out to John Katsimatidis, owner-operator of our parent company, Red Apple Media, to see if we can rent out one of the vacant uh, old hotels uh, in the Irish Alps or the Jewish Himalayas, the Catskill, Sullivan County. Could be Grossinger's, Browns, maybe the Concord, uh, to do a uh, caller re-education camp. Uh, now, Ralph, as you know, the rules and regulations are don't ask me how I'm doing because I'm going to tell you I've had better days. Kabish, Kabish, Ralph. Kabish, and I apologize. Uh, uh, there's no need to apologize. Uh, just don't do it again. But go ahead, Ralph. Well, I'm a big fan of you as I go back to the Curtis and Kubi days. So uh, thank you for everything you've done. And uh, I'm a little disappointed in how you presented this, Curtis. Um, you started off the show saying you're not a, you, you don't like the guy. So, but I still haven't heard you explain why you don't like the guy. Well, well look, I, I did. I did recuse myself. Better that I not hide that from the audience. Uh, I remember it was brought to my attention. Joe Rogan uh, did a broadcast. He was talking to one of his guests. And the guest brought out the Guardian Angels, and then Joe Rogan said, oh, yeah, you know, that leader. He didn't say my name. Uh, I was in a cab one time passing Madison Square Garden, and uh, he jumped in front of the cab. And, you know, he, he like, called me out, called me out. I like, what the hell is he talking about, Ralph? Because I know, I, know, hey, I, I know he likes to smoke those blunts. I saw him doing that with Elon Musk, you know, so... Uh, maybe it was the blunt, Ralph. Maybe it was the blunt, and, and that really that 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 got under my skin. You, you understand, Kabish? Kabish, fair all right, enough. Right, okay, all right, all right. So, hey, but at least I told you I recused myself. It's personal with me. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Giuseppe. Joey calling from Huntington. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Joey. Good. Good afternoon, Curtis. Hey, Curtis, how is your use of the word Moulinian any different than Joe Rogan's use of the N-word? Well, because I was, ex- I, I was explaining how it was used in the old neighborhood so as to not use the N-word the same way that blacks would call Italians spaghetti benders instead of calling them crackers. Something else. As the same way Red Fox used it on a sitcom in the 70s, and he was a comedian. I mean, was he guilty of calling anybody the N-word? Or was he guilty of trying to have an intelligent conversation about a disgusting word? Do you think uh, white people should be able to use the N-word? No, but I'll give you this. If we have to seed that word, then then we have to tell black people, you can't use it in mixed company either. If that's your word, keep it to yourselves. I don't want to hear it from you either. Now, when we talk about Eric Adams in the next hour, uh, many who have come to his defense when he called white cops that he worked with over the years crackers said, well, that's just black speak. He was just talking to black people. He would have never used that term uh, if there were whites or Hispanics uh, or Asians there. Uh, is that acceptable, Joe? No. Okay. No, no. All right. You're fair about that. You're fair about that. Uh, but apparently he used it about 70 times, Joe. That's a lot of times. Isn't it? I mean, how you? I mean, his his examples. And again, I didn't. Is the mashup an honest mashup, or is it a um, is it an attempt to dis to, to disparage him because they want him to shut up about uh, with with Doctor Malone and 
things like that. Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt there's blowback, but there's always blowback when you're riding high in the saddle. I think you understand that, Joe. When you're, when you're number one, second to none, you're the number one podcaster in the world, you're making $100 million, Spotify goes to the mat uh, and defends you against Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, and anyone else uh, wanting to take their playlist off of Spotify. Sure, you got a target on your back. But this apparently were episodes that were already up on the Spotify podcasting list for Joe Rogan uh, back through the years. So apparently quite a few people were aware of it, but they stuck it in his face now, and he's got to deal with it. But, but Curtis, how, um, again, is he, is he guilty of dropping the M-bomb? Or is he guilty of trying to have an intelligent conversation and compare different eras? Well, uh, I would suggest uh, he wasn't using it personally uh, to defame uh, an African-American or a West Indian or somebody from Africa. Uh, he may have been using it uh, in, an ex- ex- in an explanatory way, the same way I was explaining uh, how young men would get around using the N-bomb by calling blacks eggplant, and blacks would call whites spaghetti benders instead of calling them crackers. I mean, when you call somebody Moulinian, you're essentially calling them the N-word. You're just using an Italian. You're not even using the, the right word. You're using the word for eggplant. It's not even the proper word for eggplant. You're using a dialect word that, that yeah, we grew up in this part of the world Gosh, speaking Joe, Italian. Joe, everything, every, everything's dialect, Joe. Uh, I was brought up by A's. People who calabrese, they have their own dialect. Napolitano, their own dialect. Siciliano, their own dialect. You know that, Joe. But, but that word was universal. <laughs> nah, I wouldn't say that. Mostly Southern Italians. You really didn't hear that from those who were north of Roma. Guy's giving me a hard time, man. Anyway, let's go to Tony calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Tone. Hey, man. I think once upon a time, Joe Rogan never imagined that anyone would listen to his podcast. And over the years, his ego, his hubris got too big. So did his pockets that he actually believed he was invincible and that nobody can bring him down, much like um, our friend, former Governor Cuomo. Yo, that's a good comparison, an excellent comparison. Andrew evilized Cuomo. King Cuomo II, the son of Mario Faccia Bruta Cuomo, King Cuomo I. You're correct. He thought he was invincible, untouchable, uh, pretentious, obstinate. You, uh, What a perfect comparison, Tony. I, that was an a- excellent linkage. Thanks, brother. And now, now you know that Andrew Evilized Cuomo was plotting his revenge, his return on the island of Elba. Actually, it's the Southampton. It's like uh, Napoleon. He's on uh, Fredo's compound there, Chris Cuomo. And Joe Pacoco, the wartime consigliere, is out of jail, did a six-year rap for federal corruption. He's the leg breaker. So all three of them together. And then they got a, about a dozen other Cuomoites, and they've, they've made a vow. Andrew has become Michael Corleone. He has said, let's settle all scores. And he had a sit down the other night, two hours, Italian meal, West 52nd Street in the theater district with Eric Adams. And what do you think they were talking about? I know. I'll tell you because I know Andrew Cuomo. He was telling Eric, stay out of this. 
I need you to be like Switzerland, neutral. I got $16 million in my my political treasury. I'm going to run for attorney general. It's me versus Titch because all the other Democrats bowed out. I just need you to remain neutral. And then you become the number one African-American in all of New York State, which Eric Adams said, deal, deal. I'm on, I'm on the sidelines. I can tell you, without even being there, without having that restaurant wired up like a Christmas tree, like the FBI would have when they stood for the acronym forever busting Italians. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. That's what Joe Rogan is saying to all the Roganites out there who have uh, subscribed to his Spotify podcast, the number one in the world. Are you with him? Are you with Joe Rogan? Because you know how corporate America is. Now that these artists are beginning to pull their playlists, and all right, they're baby boomers like me. They're not, uh, they're not heavy uh, hitters uh, any longer like uh, Ed Sheeran and this uh, whole new generation of hipsters and millennials. But you know the corporate mindset, they get nervous quick. And even though there's a contract for $100 million to pay out to Joe Rogan uh, until the ends of time, it doesn't mean they can't amend that, renege that, renegotiate that, or decide it's not worth Spotify's time. Just remember that. There may be other other broadcasts that dropped that we were unaware of that were just there for anybody to listen to, probably made early on in his career, in which nobody nobody even knew who Joe Rogan was, right? But they never disappeared. They're there in perpetuity. They're there in the vast belly of the beast known as cyberspace, the internet, up in the eye cloud, high in the sky. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go if we can. Charlie, calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Charlie. Hey, how you doing, Curtis? Uh, Ufa! How many times do I have to tell the caller? That they need to be assigned a re-education camp. Uh, there are three things you don't do. Don't ask me how I'm doing. I'm going to tell you I've had better days. Number two, don't thank me for taking your call because I've been soliciting for you to call me, uh, like, since the start of the program at two. And number three, don't ever use the hackneyed phrase, hey, first-time caller, long-time listener. Kabish, Charlie, Kabish. Kabish, Kabish, Curtis. All right. I got two quick. I got two, one quick story. The other one's a little longer. First one is I used to be a comedian, so I heard all kinds of stories when I was doing stand up. And one time I was in the Laugh Factory in L.A., and a guy in line told me that his roommate, who was a good comedian, was doing stand up. Joe Rogan comes up behind him, leaves a note on his stool right behind him. When he's done, he looks at the note and it said, "You suck." I mean, the guy didn't even know Joe Rogan, but he, there was, I heard a story. He always did stuff like that. 
That's number one. Number two, he tried to pick a fight with me one time. I had never met him. I was taking a jujitsu class in L.A., and Joe was there, a place where he trained. And, you know, I know you want to fight him and everything, but Joe's a tough guy, very strong guy. So uh, I agreed. It, it was a place that didn't have geese, you know, the, which, is the, which are the uniforms. I, I know you know that, but some of your listeners don't. And they trained in just a T-shirt. So to support the owner of the place, I told him, hey, I'll buy a T-shirt for 20 bucks." He said, fine. He comes out with a T-shirt. Joe's there. It's a white T-shirt. Now, at the time, I, I had one uh, washing machine in my building, so I, I couldn't separate my colors. So I said, you know, uh, you know, give me – I can't take a white one because of, I, I, don't, I don't wear white except for my underwear. Give me a black one, and I'll take that. He goes, I can't because that, that's for black belts. And I go, oh, man, I'm sorry. I didn't know that. So Joe starts in. How dare you dishonor blank the teacher here by by uh, by demanding a, a, a black T-shirt? Who the hell are you? And then he starts ranking on my clothes, on my on my bike I had outside. Uh, you, was that your granny bike outside? What? He goes, he goes, and he starts ranking on my clothes, and he goes, starts saying, like, grow up, will you? And he starts, like, I mean, he's, like, screaming. He's, like, trying to intimidate me, you know? I'm looking at him, and it's like, hey, what, what, what? You know? Did you call and, him out? Did you call him out, Charlie, by now? Did you have enough and just say, hey, let's settle this outside? Uh, uh, no. I would have liked to say I did on the radio, but you know what? Sometimes just being a street guy, Curtis, maybe not your – you you you, you got to know when you're above your limit, you know. So you I, you knew Charlie right there. This muscle head was going to turn you into a speed bump. I knew there's no way, man. You got to know who you can beat, when to hold them, and when to fold them. You got to know who you can beat and who you can't. No, no, you know? that's wise. That's why you got to size it up because if the if you're walking in uh, like dead man walking, uh, you got no shot. Uh, I mean, this guy maybe would have knocked your teeth out, broke your neck, uh, rearranged uh, uh, your face. And then you're talking about uh, tens of thousands of dollars of medical expenses. And he'd probably say if he were brought to court, oh, he fell. The damage was he fell. It had nothing to do with me. Right, Charlie? Uh, right, right. Chris. And the thing is, he wanted to, you know, he really was just like, Look, I don't know if he was on something or some kind of drugs. Ah, probably. probably At that time, roided up. Remember, everybody was roided up. They were flexing. You know, they had that bull neck. Uh, and they were trying to, 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 to practice their art, spinning hook kicks, axe kicks, reverse punches. Uh, you know, they wanted, to, they, they wanted to feel flesh on their knuckles. It was 2005. It was when he was doing Fear Factor. It was just finishing. So it was before this podcast, you know. Well, this so. is, these are the three people, Charlie. I'm 67, uh, so I'm older than I think most of these guys. I would welcome uh, to get into the ring with Joe Rogan. Uh, I think he's like uh, in his early 50s. He's obviously buffed. Uh, but I think I know how I would take him out. Then, of course, there's John Gotti Jr. who tried to have me killed. He's about in his early 50s. And then it would, I, w- I would have so much pleasure challenging Steven Seagal. You know, Mr. Akido, uh, who has fled to Russia. He's now Vladimir Putin's best buddy, but a total degenerate. And I got to tell you, Steven Seagal, with all those great movies he made, uh, 
One time, he was testifying against Peter Gotti, who at that time was the head of the Gambino crime family in Eastern District, downtown Brooklyn. And he said, I'm cold. Could you get me a bankie? Would you tell Gotti not to look at me? I mean, the guy just, like, melted. Wuss. So I'll be more than happy. You know, we're back-to-back, belly-to-belly. I start with Rogan and John Gotti Jr. and Steven Seagal. All right, the trifecta. I might not. You know, you might have to scrape me up off the asphalt, but I'd love, I'd love rumbling with all three. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Scott in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Scott. Hey, Curtis, you forgot the biggest white guy that got away with using the N-word, our president. Huh. Remind me, because I'm having a little Joe Biden moment here and trying to remember. Uh, uh, remind me, Scott. Back during the time of uh, the 94 bill in Congress, when they were, I mean, you can find it. It's all over the Internet. Can okay, so that's when he was Mr. Law and Order, right? That's when he was like uh, Mr. Lock him up, throw away the key, those crack dealers, crackheads, right? Uh, that, that's the era we're talking about, right, Scott? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now that is possible. That is possible. I, uh, I, uh, I will uh, research that thoroughly. Uh, I do know that Howard Stern survived that when he uh, was dressed in blackface and kept dropping that N word uh, on his TV show. Uh, although he said he evolved and changed, uh, it'll be interesting because you see, I don't remember that about Joe Biden. I really don't remember much about Joe Biden because he was a person you really didn't remember much about other than he took Amtrak uh, from uh, Washington, D.C. to Wilmington every night to be with his family. That's all I remember of him. Didn't you, Scott? Yeah, I mean, I, you never heard much of, much about him. Well, you know, uh, like uh, like the, the schmuck to putz Chuck E. Cheese Schumer, you knew he had those plugs put in his head, right? Uh, exactly. Facelift, I think, too. Oh, facelift and horse teeth. He had horse teeth put in. I mean, there was a time there. He couldn't open up his eyelids. Uh, His skin was pulled so tight, if they pulled it any tighter, it would have snapped like an old rubber band. He had those white, enormously white chiclet teeth. And then he had the plugs at the same time that uh, Chuck Schumer had the plugs. Now it looks pretty good uh, because the little, uh, little tree stumps, uh, actually grew in for both those guys. But I remember when they were both doing it and irrigating it simultaneously. <laughs> those two. And you, you know how they irrigated it, right? How the, how's that? With Bertoli olive oil, virgin olive oil, second press. Uh, what you do is you rub it on your head. Uh, you just don't go below the navel. You rub it on top of your head, and if you have no hair... Uh, the potency, it's got to be second press, virgin olive oil, Bartoli, actually stimulates the follicles that are embedded in your cerebellum and medulla to begin to sprout out and grow. That's the old Italian tradition. My grandfather, Fidelo Bianchino, died at 99 years old in my arms. and He had a full head of hair every day. He took the comb with a little Bertoli olive oil. Maybe that's why a lot of people called him a grease ball, because uh, that was a common derogatory term used uh, for Italians. But he would take that Bertoli olive oil, second press virgin olive oil. He would take his comb 
and he would comb his hair and strengthen his hair, he said, right down to the roots. But he always attributed having a full head of hair to the age of 99 to combing every day, first backwards, then forwards, then sideways, to the right, to the left, with Bertoli olive oil, virgin olive oil, second press. And I know some of you out there, instead of joining the uh, Hair Club uh, of America, whose president is no longer with us, Brooklyn boy, moved down to Florida and its best customer. Uh, But the Bertoli olive oil has uh, definitely, if you happen to have uh, an Italian uh, gene or two, will definitely uh, not only stabilize uh, your hair growth so you won't lose any more follicles, but it can actually stimulate and cause those little trees <laughs> suddenly become like redwood trees, a forest on your head. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. to all of us AARP guys out there. Old man, look at my life. I'm a lot like you were. Started first with Neil Young, bucking man, Spotify. Life, and then if you remember, in quick uh, follow, it was bad boy David Crosby, a Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, Graham Nash himself. Stephen Sills and Niles Lofman. Yep. And you knew, you knew that Spotify was starting to freak out a bit because uh, Joe Rogan did a bit of a pirouette. But this is different now. This is different. This is the use of the N-word possibly as many as 70 different times in his past podcasts. And um, this is something most white guys never survive. Or they become weakened and impaired. This is like kryptonite. In the next hour, we're going to be talking about uh, Eric Adams, uh, him calling white police officers who served in the time he did crackers. And um, he won't be in jeopardy because his complexion is his protection. I'll explain the difference because he'll say he was doing black speak. Now, you imagine white speak. Can you imagine... If I had been elected mayor of the city of New York and I talked about some black cops who had given me a hard time in the early days of the Guardian Angels and I dropped the N-bomb on them, you really think people, oh, yeah, I'd be on the outside looking in. I'd be charged with a hate crime, you know, federal charges. <laughs> I'd probably be out on Rikers Island, you know, oh, oh, bail. You know, I'd be the one person that had bail on me, you know, of $5 million. A danger to society. Anyway, let's go to Chris in Orange County. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Chris. Hey, Curtis. Listen, can you hear me? Loud and clear, Chris. All right. You know, I, I am so perplexed by this. This There's one single word in the, in, in the world that you cannot use unless, of course, you're black. It's, can you name one other word? That uh, is not allowed to be used. Well, well, remember, uh, George Carlin, who grew up uh, in West Harlem, uh, talked about the seven words that the FCC will not allow you to use on the radio. It could cost you your job and has cost people jobs. But no, none stands out as much as the N-bomb. You're absolutely right, Chris. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't get it. 
You know, I think they, I think, uh, you know, let not everybody use the damn word, you know? I mean, uh, they're well, allowed well, to use it. Well, remember, uh, the brothers say, you know, we use it because it empowers us. You say, well, what do you mean empowers you? Oh, yeah, it empowers us because we use it from a position of strength, not weakness. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> That's justification. Uh, so you can make millions doing your rap records. Like uh, Snoop Dogg, who did a drive-by shooting, that's right, killed a guy, got away with it during nullification because they took the coat of Omerta. He's going to be doing the Super Bowl halftime show, and I guarantee you every verse will have the N-bomb in it along with Dr. Dre, who made a billion on those stupid headphones. Headphones! And remember, NWA, remember, what was the famous anthem of NWA? Oh, that's right. They could say what NWA was, but we can't, Chris. I don't get it. We can't. Uh, So interesting. It empowers black people to use the N-bomb. You know, it sort of takes the bite out of it, uh, takes it away from white people so that they can culturally appropriate it back and use it amongst themselves, but how dare you, if you ever use it, you will not only be ostracized, you will end up getting the beatdown of your lifetime in which your your mother will feel the vibration. Well, up next, Eric Adams called White Cops Crackers, and it looks like he's going to get away with it. Why? Because in his case, his complexion is his protection. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. West, Felix Papaliardi, Corky Lang. I've been in a lot of southern states south of the Mason-Dixon line where they fly the stars and bars, the flag of trees, and the Johnny Red flag. But the state with the most crackers, without a doubt, Mississippi. M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. We used to play uh, touch football in the streets. You had to count 10 Mississippis, and then you charged the quarterback. But uh, we had no idea what was in Mississippi until I traveled down there, started the Guardian Angels in Jackson, all-black chapter, and then went into the uh, Bayou area. Oh, my God. Crackers everywhere. I mean, redneck crackers, racist races down to the marrow of their bone. And they'll tell you straight up. They'll tell you straight up, I'm a cracker. I'm a redneck. I hate blacks. Although they use the N-word. 
So the other day, uh, a video surfaced with the Enigma. Our brand new mayor, Eric Adams, uh, because the guy is an enigma about who he is. One minute he's one way, the next minute he's another way. And as you know, whenever you try to please everybody, you please nobody. Let's just look in the first month uh, of his mayoralty. Uh, Six police officers have been shot, two of them unfortunately uh, to death. A crime is at an all-time high. I mean, in the eight years of the inept, Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, we never had a month this bad. Never had. And this is supposed to be the law and order guy. He hasn't done anything but do press conferences. That's it. We haven't seen any plans. And uh, he's the first one to jump on somebody's hood. And call them a racist. That's been his pattern going back when he made his bones in politics. If you gave him a hard time and your complexion was not your protection, you weren't black yourself, he would call you a racist. You are Hispanic, Asian, white. You look in the uh, recent primary he won amongst uh, 12 other Democrats, and he called Andrew Yang a racist. A race, Andrew Yang a racist? And then in the general election, he called me a racist. <laughs> Come on. I lead a group of predominantly black and Hispanic guardian angels here and all over the country. But I was a racist. That's his fallback position. But then all of a sudden, this uh, tape emerged from a guy from Black Lives Matter who happened to be uh, participating in a meeting right before Eric Adams declared for the Democratic nomination to become the next mayor of the city of New York. I think about two years ago. And it was a meeting of black uh, businessmen and businesswomen in Harlem. And all of a sudden, Eric Adams was kicking it. Every day in the police department, I kicked those crackers ass, man. I was unbelievable in the police department. And he went on and on and on. Now, can I hear that one more time? One more time. I want to make sure the specificity of how he used it, uh, his intent, uh, how he vocalized it. We'll just play it briefly. Every day in the police department, I kicked those crackers ass, man. I was unbelievable in the police department. So he was proud that he kicked crackers asses, as he said, other white cops. You know, we have... Um, on this station with uh, Bernard McGurk and Sid Rosenberg in the mornings, every Tuesday mornings, uh, Bo Deedle. Uh, Bo Deedle served in that time period. White guy went to the mat for Eric Adams in the mayoralty. I wonder if uh, when the boys have Bo Deedle on on Tuesday, uh, they're going to say, hey, uh, Bo, what's it like to be called a cracker by the guy that you went to the mat for to become mayor of the city of New York? But he didn't start it there. Remember. In that same time period, he had spoken from uh, the bully pulpit of the uh, National Action Network of Al Slim Shady Sharpton, in which he was telling you, well, we got all hipsters and millennials here now, right? And, and, and none of them are from New York City. You know, they're from every other state but New York State. Uh, but this was Eric Adams talking to all those newly arrived hipsters and millennials. Go back to Iowa. You go back to Ohio. New York City belongs to the people that was here. So when you say go back to Iowa, aren't that many black people from Iowa? 
Trust me, I, I have guardian angels in Davenport. I have crisscrossed Iowa. Not that many, but an increasing number of Hispanics. But not that many African-Americans. So he's talking about those white guys and white gals where there are more pigs than people coming to New York or Idaho where there are more potatoes than people coming to New York. White people go back. Can you imagine in running for the mayoralty if I, if I said, you know, we need to send black people back to Africa, back to the, the mother continent. Man, I'd be run out of this city. That would be it. Over. You'd be persona non grata. So he's gotten away with it two times. And as cover, he's now silent and profiling. And look at what he's calling himself now. This is a great city. And I'm the Biden of Brooklyn. And I love the fact that the president is coming here. I met with him uh, after the campaign. And we spoke. And we just connected. It's like a little groupie, right? Oh, my God. Oh, we connected. I'm the Biden of Brooklyn. You proud of that? What Biden has done to our country? Are you kidding? I'm the Biden of Brooklyn. And then Joe Biden came the other day, President Joe Biden came talking about ghost guns. Yeah, that's our real problem, ghost guns. (laughs) And the iron pipeline with illegal handguns coming in uh, by straw purchasers in Steubenville, Ohio, and Morgantown, West Virginia. No, that's not our main problem. Our main problem is we already have 2 million illegal handguns circulating in the five boroughs, like plastic bags. Uh, They're not biodegradable. They'll last uh, for a lifetime. And you got to put pressure on the street so that people who are using it for bad reasons are not going to carry it into the street because they're stopping frisks. There's undercover plainclothes police uh, officers. And he sold us on that ticket, you know, plainclothes police officers, right? Plainclothes. <laughs> well, all hell broke loose uh, last night. Uh, Rita, who had interviewed uh, Mayor Eric Adams the night before, did a very good job. But boy, one of those callers uh, took umbrage with her. We have a mayor, and don't get too giddy, and this isn't being disrespectful, and don't get too charmed, who called New York City police officer crackers. What's a cracker, Rita? You're a long-time smart. I've been following. What is a cracker? A cracker to me is something you put jam or cheese on. Yeah, I mean, look, obviously, that is a very disparaging, horrible phrase. Um, And I think, you know, it's it's obviously a a very uh, toxic phrase. Um, that you're talking about. Um, and it's nothing to be giddy about. It's nothing to be whatever about. That's a serious issue, too. And it's a serious issue if somebody calls somebody that on one side or on the other side. I do not condone that, and I don't support that. Um, and I hope you don't either. I hope that's not where you're going either. So Rita's on 10 to 12, Monday through Friday. She scored a great uh, interview with uh, Mayor Eric Adams, followed up by uh, Dominic Carter, who's on from 12 to 1. And he actually got a call from uh, someone out there who uh, said, yo, he's up. That's that's my boy, Eric Adams, man. Look how much better the city is now. Uh, real, real, real quick, I just want to say that with the Eric Adams situation, um, everybody says everything in the privacy of their own homes and meetings with friends and what have you. And let's get back to business. And I do see a police presence on the streets. I do see the stolen motorcycles not doing wheelies in Times Square. 
And let's stop with all the righteous indignation, how insulted everybody is by a couple of words, and get the city up and running again, because apparently there's this corporate memo that is telling people to go back to work next week, and that's what we need. Let's let's get through all this crazy little uh, chicken spit and get back to business. Man, he must be in a drug-induced psychosis to think that 75% of these office spaces that are empty now, that have cobwebs on it, are suddenly going to start filling up. I don't know what city he's talking about. I don't see cobs. I'm in the subways all the time. I don't see police down there. I don't see any difference. We have more crime in this first month than we had in any one month of eight years of the dismal anti-cop, defund the police, mayor, Bill de Blasio. But I got some tactical air support on the Mark Levin show, substituting uh, assistant producer, phone screener, Rich Valdez. Listen to what he had to say. We were talking about what's going on in New York City, and I want to tell you, I got a brand new bumper sticker, just pushed out the bubbles, it's on my bumper, emblazoned on my truck, and it says, don't blame me, I voted for Curtis Sliwa. Ha ha! That's the first! You know, that's what Ed Koch said uh, when he lost the Democratic primary to uh, David Dinkins, and things uh, really became dismal. He said, hey, don't blame me. You voted for David Dinkins. And as a result, we ended up with uh, Rudy Giuliani. By the way, um, in his sit-down with Andrew Evilized Cuomo the other day in a restaurant for two hours, uh, Eric Adams, uh, his justification for that was that, hey, you know, I want to pick the brain of everybody because, you know, it's a tough city to run. Uh, Andrew uh, Cuomo might have some good ideas. I met with gangbangers. I met with police. I met with criminal justice. I meet with everybody. The one person he hasn't met with and he will not meet with is the one person that we know turned this city around from the murder capital of America, the most crime-infested city of America, 1992, being led by Eric Adams' mentor, David Dinkins. After eight years into the safest big city in America, Rudy Giuliani. Now, Eric Adams has not reached out to Rudy Giuliani. Uh, he could meet with him on the down low. He doesn't have to meet as publicly as he did with Andrew Evilized Cuomo the other day for two hours in an Italian restaurant on West 52nd Street. He did that really to send a message to Tish James. Uh, Tish, I'm Switzerland. Even though I'm a brother and you're a sister, and Cuomo's going to jump in with a $16 million war chest, don't expect me to have your back. You know, you're from Brooklyn. I'm from Brooklyn, but uh, I ain't got your back here. Uh, I'm Switzerland. I'm just going to sit to the sidelines and watch. Sort of like when uh, I watch the Mets play the Red Sox because I hate both equally. I'm a Yankee fan. I hate them. I loathe them. I despise them so much that I can't quantify who I hate more. So I'm like Switzerland. I hate them both. 1-800-848-WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. It's a family affair. Looking for Bernard Adams, uh, Eric Adams' younger brother, who now is working for a dollar a year. No longer the deputy uh, police commissioner as he was assigned by his brother or head of his intel unit. 
I remember Eric Adams' uh, rationale was that the threats from white supremacists dictated that, that he trusted his brother, only his brother, and taking what Eric Adams had said, our brand new mayor, I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt, so ladies and gentlemen, I saw there was a white sheet sale at Bed Bath & Beyond, and I patrolled that section of Bed Bath & Beyond for an entire week. Uh, and when the uh, personnel came up to me, said, Curtis, what are you doing here? I said, well, you know, I heard shoplifters are coming in here with their Alvin Bragg swag bags. And they're, they're looting and shoplifting. So I, I gave him some technology. I was really trying to find white supremacists. Not. Anyway, let's go to the phones right now to Giuseppe, who's calling from Morris County, New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Giuseppe. Let's go to Joe. Joe in Morris County. Uh, yeah, you don't know what Giuseppe is. Uh, anyway, my mistake, Joe. I my do. mistake. Um, yo, <laughs> I, I know what it is. I'm married to an Italian. Anyway, um, it's a mad, mad world, mad, mad world we live in. But Joe Rogan is not going to win here because, as we know, there's uh, two sets of rules for the N-word. So they're going to get him on that. But they really want to get him out for his stance on COVID. So it's a double win for them, unfortunately. But um, the, uh, Eric, Eric Adams... And the cracker thing. I want to ask you, Curtis, um, Pat Lynch, you, you would think that, you know, based on his reaction, he probably already saw that tape. You think because I mean, like he totally downplayed it. Why do you think that is? No, Pat Lynch and the other uh, police union uh, leaders now have leverage over Eric Adams. Remember, they have contracts coming up. They just saved uh, his tuchus. Uh, this could have given Eric Adams uh, a bit of a rough time nationally. Uh, he already has a four-year plan. Supporters of Eric Adams have sped up what was a 10-year uh, plan to become president of the United States. That's what he was campaigning uh, out in the Hamptons in the summer while raising money. He's now scaled it back to four years uh, because he knows that Joe Biden is not going to run for another term. Uh, and they're already sizing up that uh, Vice President Harris does not have the right stuff or Buttigieg, Buttigieg, Buttigieg. So they're going to they're doing fundraising now, Joe, saying, get on board now, uh, pay the max uh, and you'll be supporting the next president of the United States. And he will not forget, which means, you know, favors. You scratch my belly. I scratch yours, Joe. Snoop Dogg. Okay, so we just buried two cops in New York. God bless their souls. Then we have the zombie clown come to New York Thursday. Okay. I want, I want to know, where is the national outrage from the media, people on the right, and the left? How is Snoop Dogg still part of the Super Bowl halftime show? How, how, is it, how is it possible, Curtis? He's talking about shooting cops, telling kids F this, F that, and this, and that. What the hell is going on? Well, uh, you act surprised, Joe. Look at some of the recent Super Bowls, the halftime shows, degenerate rappers. In the case of Snoop Dogg. He did a drive-by shooting. He's a hardcore crypt. He got away with it. Jury nullification. They acted like, oh, well, you know, uh, that's Snoop Dogg. Uh, snitches get stitches and end up in ditches. And let's, let's face it. The rite of passage for every degenerate rapper, whether on the West Coast or the East Coast, is to talk about killing cops. You don't get street cred unless you do that. And Snoop has done that time and time again. With Dr. Dre from NWA. That's right. See, we can't even say what the first acronym is. N with attitude. But they can. Anyway, let's go to the phones. Uh, 
to Carl, who's calling from the east side. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Carl. Curtis, I don't see you as part of the cabal that's getting all this money from the, the big muckety mucks up there like Soros and all the rest of that. Adams probably can be bought off. He's, he's the same. He's de Blasio 2.0, different color. But um, you and Mayor Giuliani, I want to say, are known quantities because of what you do. And you, you, you're defined by your actions, not these words that come out that we all know are a bunch of baloney. And I would, I would like to know what gives you hope and if there's any road forward, because this is a massive sigh-up by the government. And these, these people like Adams have so much money, and Kim Gardner, they have so much money behind them. They're all controlled by the higher-ups. That's what's going on here. It's a big, big sigh-up. Oh, no, no, and, no, no doubt. People are buying influence uh, with Eric Adams uh, as mayor of the city and maybe a future presidential candidate. Uh, uh, the uh, Adams people are saying in four years. Uh, it's all about raising uh, the money without doing the job. Uh, but you got Barack Obama here, round two. Uh, they have um, basically done a beatification of uh, Eric Adams. They've turned him into a saint. He can do no wrong. He's going to be the Mashiach. He's going to save the city. In the first month, he's done absolutely Jack Daly squat. Nothing. Won't even take on Alvin Bragg. Won't take him on. Intimidated by him. Every time he says one good thing, he goes to the dark side and says a bad thing. And he tries to satisfy everybody. And as people know in history, you try to satisfy everybody, you satisfy nobody. Anyway, let's go to Roy in Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Roy. Yes, how are you doing, Curtis? Um, Eric? Uh, let me straighten Roy out. I really, I got to talk to John Katsimatidis. We really need to set up a re-education camp uh, for our callers. Well, only about 1% of people who ever listen to talk radio call. We should really have more people calling so that we don't get people who are asking me, how am I doing? And then I say, uh, I've had better days. Kavish, uh, uh, Roy, you don't ask me how I'm doing. Okay, Roy, can we set, set a level playing field here, Roy? We're doing horrible. The city's doing horrible. What I wanted to say is Eric Adams is surrounded by a bunch of hooligans. All those violent interrupters, they, they, they all been in jail on all of them. The one that was near Biden, I personally know of him, and he goes by the name of Harlow, and he's been in, in jail very a couple of times, and he's always near by that guy that was talking to President Biden in the school. This guy is a hooligan. He's been in jail. He, he's from the Queensbridge Project, not because he lives there, but he does his dirt over there. How can this guy get near the president and be over there? And he's always right, by the side right, of Right, Roy, so let, let me explain to our many listeners who these violent interrupters are. This is the program that Eric Adams is touting. He's not touting hiring more police. You notice he's saying, uh, President Joe Biden, give us money for the violence interrupters. He's... Uh, Gang members, these are thugs, hoodlums, drug dealers who claim that they've had a deathbed conversion, they've had an epiphany, and now they want to do good, and they're going to go out into the streets, and they're going to convince thugs and thugettes not to use violence. There is one glaring problem, and I've dealt with this group that was first started uh, in uh, Chicago many years ago, which has more gangs per square inch, uh, as you know, more murders than any other city in America. 
violence interrupters have done Jack Deadly Squad. In fact, when police have gone to the violence interrupters and say, uh, we've got some leads on this suspect, uh, Jerome uh, Watkins, uh, they'll say, I don't know what you're talking about. They'll say, Jerome Watkins he used to be a gang member with you. You know, you know Jerome, right? I don't know what you're talking about. Snitches get stitches and end up in ditches. We don't snitch anybody out. That's the code of the violence interrupters. Now, Eric Adams would like millions and millions of dollars to go to these programs, which hire former gang members, if you believe they're still former, thugs, drug dealers, thugettes, uh, who have a mantra that they're not going to rat anybody out to the police. So if they're not going to tell the police that this is the suspect, this is where he's hiding, this is where his gun is, why are we going to be giving them millions of dollars? so that they can romanticize young people and tell them what it was like when they were a gangbanger running the streets? No, 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 no. That's money poorly spent. I've seen it up close myself. Anyway, let's go to Larry in Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Larry. Uh, Good afternoon, Brother Curtis. Uh, I have a comment and then a question for you. Uh, One, uh, with the cracker comment by uh, Eric Adams, and Susan Sarandon calling those police officers lined up outside the cathedral fascist. It's just amazing that if you're a liberal and you just make an apology, everything goes away. But here's my question. Why is this coming up uh, now? Uh, uh, it was 19, uh, 2019 when this guy made this statement. Why wasn't it brought up before the, the mayoral election? Larry... Obviously, if it had been brought up in the primary, he had 12 other candidates running for the Democratic uh, nomination. It could have damaged him. But who who was he running against in the general election that a statement like that would have really damaged him, Larry? Well, I know that. And that's why it wasn't brought up. Yeah, well, look, uh, there are a lot of other statements he probably made. You see, what he'll say is that's black speak. You know, black people talk that way to one another. You know, if, if white people were there, Hispanics, Asians, I wouldn't have talked that way. This is black speak. Basically, mind your own business. There are probably other videos out there. It's unfortunate that this was not revealed when I was running against Eric Adams. Because I would have pounded him on this, the hypocrisy of it. He called me a racist, Larry. He called Andrew Young a racist. He calls anybody he disagrees with who's not black a racist. And now this is the most racist statement that somebody can make about white people calling them crackers. And he, he, he'll he have no problem the next time he has a problem with somebody who's uh, Hispanic, Asian, or white uh, calling them a racist, Larry. Now, Curtis, let me ask you this question. Uh, I'm a retired lieutenant from the NYPD. Uh, I have have sights on running for mayor. What if I made a comment that uh, uh, prior to the election, I said, uh, well, when I was on the job, I kept these Moulinians in check. What do you think would have happened to me? That's it. You're done. Uh, Forget your pension. You'll be arrested for a hate crime. Federal charges. Uh, depending on where you live, you uh, Staten Island. So U.S. attorney for the Southern uh, District would have you doing the per pork, Larry, and uh, you would be a white supremacist, number one, second to none, Larry. Listen, God bless you and your family. <laughs> it is so true. Larry would have been charged with a hate crime, a federal hate crime.
Anyway, let's go to uh, Dennis, who's calling from Boundbrook in New Jersey, which is always underwater, a little spritz there, and there's a flood. Am I right or wrong, Dennis? Hey, Curtis, as far as uh, Snoop Dogg is concerned, why not a double-barrel protest in front of the NFL offices between the Guardian Angels and the cops to fire this guy if they've got any kind of balls, plus the fact it'll make... Eric Adams looked like a horse's ass that you guys, together with the cops, finally got somebody to say, hey, let's show a little respect for the police. Well, that is a brilliant idea, Dennis. Uh, I will reach out uh, to the various uh, benevolent associations and also uh, Blue Lives Matter. Uh, There is the NFL headquarters. They're right there on about 52nd Street and Park Avenue. I had a demonstration out there with uh, animal lovers uh, against Michael Vick uh, when they had him uh, broadcasting the Super Bowl. Uh, The guy, remember, he slit the throats uh, of the pit bulls he was racing because he said that they uh, depleted the gene pool, and he took uh, tremendous joy in that. Never really apologized. So I know exactly where Roger Goodell's office is. Uh, and that's a brilliant idea. I'll go to Pat Lynch, PBA, Sergeant Benevolent Association, Lieutenant Benevolent Association, Captain Benevolent Association, uh, other uh, benevolent associations of police uh, throughout the tri-state, and see if we can assemble in front of Roger Goodell's office in the uh, uh, central uh, epicenter of all NFL activity and really stick it to him. But you know something? They're appealing to a broadening constituency of theirs who are thugs and thugettes. And they know they got it with Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Classic Who, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. We're going to involve every community, every precinct, and our state and federal partners. This plan focuses on the three pieces that are crucial, our communities, our cops, and our courts. We will start by putting more officers on patrol in key neighborhoods throughout the city. Ensuring that our cops are in the places we need them most intensely. So this is the top 100 blocks strategy. My administration will launch an unprecedented summer youth employment, youth and youth engagement program for summer 2022. As we know that gang violence and gun crimes spike in the summer months. The summer youth anti-violence employment effort. This has been an effort to ensure that young people who are at risk uh, get opportunities for summer youth employment, get steered in the right direction. Gun violence is a public health crisis, and it is one that must be addressed at every level of government. We must see immediate action from Congress on guns. We need the Congress to act on the issue of guns, once and for all. We all see it with our eyes. Now, didn't they both sound the same? (laughs) Great compilation put together by the morning show, Bernard McGurk, Sid Rosenberg, their crew. Uh, But as you can see, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Uh, Eric Adams, more active. Uh, He's had more press conferences. But what has he done? 
perfect example today, well below freezing. He could have signed an executive order. The mayor has that opportunity, as was done by Rudy Giuliani in his eight years, Michael Bloomberg in his 12 years, which then gives the law enforcement an opportunity to remove the homeless people in the subways and the emotionally disturbed for their own welfare because of the freezing weather. You take the emotionally disturbed for psychiatric observation. You take the homeless uh, to shelters. Perfect opportunity to do that. Rudy did it many times when the temperatures went below freezing, as did Bloomberg. de Blasio never did that. Eric Adams hasn't done that. And he won't do that. Uh, And he has maintained Thrive. This was the newest uh, Mickey he slipped us. He changed the name of Thrive. It has a different uh, acronym. It has a different name. It's now housed in City Hall. It has a budget of $150 million. They wanted this guy from a former legislator from the Bronx, uh, but he was uh, homophobic (laughs) to the max. (laughs) And Eric realized, "Eh, maybe that's not the right guy. Uh, You know, it's going to be hard to get uh, him uh, as commissioner of uh, the failed Thrive. Anyway, let's go to the phones. It's Alfonso calling from the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Alfonso. How you doing, buddy? I'm a strong black American. I retired from construction. You even said my name over the air. And I want to respectfully tell you that I got a lot of love for you. And I'm very a strong black American from the Bronx. Born and raised. And you know what the sad thing is, and nobody's not talking about this? All of the community centers that we grew up in, every last one of them are shut down. These kids ain't got no place to go after school. We used to have basketball tournaments, pool tournaments, ping pong tournaments, and I like you, regardless of anybody's views. And you was at Cantona Park. You was where a lot of gun violence happened. I saw your face. I respect you. You even hugged me downtown one day. I had on all my construction gear, and I always listen to you. But nobody is talking about opening them up those communities. Well, no, no, yeah, a very good point. Uh, when I was going to PS114 and Builder C Junior High School, public schools in Canarsie, we had afternoon centers and night centers. Uh, so you could go to your public school after school. Uh, you could be involved in arts and crafts, theater, singing, basketball, playing different games. Then you could go home, have something to eat, and come back for the night center and do it all over again. They stopped that. Stopped it. In the public housing projects, of which there are over 300, they used to have community centers in each and every public housing project. Most of those were closed, padlocked. Um, you have the Police Athletic League, great organization. It's now uh, sponsored by uh, our owner-operator of Red Apple Media, our parent company of uh, WABC, John Katsimatidis, and his wife, Margot Katsimatidis. They do uh, really great work. They give uh, the young men, young women, not only uh, athletic uh, programs, uh, but they do a lot of remedial uh, teaching, uh, English as a primary language, math, uh, all the things that the children are going to need to do well in school, but also uh, for those that have certain athletic abilities or they're in chorus, uh, they sing, they're actors, they're actresses. Uh, uh, it, it, it's a wide programs 
government should do more. They used to do far more. But uh, when Bill Clinton brought along midnight basketball, that was a disaster. I mean, that was the stupidest program ever. Here was Bill Clinton. Oh, give the brothers a basketball. Like they don't play too much basketball to begin with. It's like, how about uh, getting them to learn a trade or getting them education so they can fend for themselves, especially with vocational high schools or vocational professional schools in case they're dropouts? You're going to let them play basketball till like 4 in the morning so they get tired. And the whole idea was, oh, they get tired playing basketball so they won't, they won't steal cars. They won't rob bodegas or grocery stores. How stupid was that? And you see, that plays into the stereotype because you don't think much of these young men and young women. If you think the only way to placate them like a pacifier to keep them from committing crime is to give them a basketball and have organized hoop tournaments from 12 midnight to 4 in the morning. How the hell are you going to work a job? Well, you're playing basketball from 12 midnight to 4 in the morning. Anyway, let's go to Donald, who's calling from Manasquan, uh, down the Jersey Shore in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Donald. Curtis, the term cracker uh, was a Florida horse-riding cattleman with a short bull whip, which he cracked to drive and corral livestock. Now, one of your callers last night said as much. And I'm 74 years old, and I never heard the term cracker until 1966, at which time I was 18, and and moved to Florida. So the original meaning had nothing to do with race at all. It was just what these guys do. And in the Old West, uh, there happened to be a, a, a very high percentage of black cowboys. Well, no, well, and, no, look, there, there have been duplicitous meanings for the term cracker, Donald. Uh, but Eric Adams was not using it as if it was a term that cowboys would use when cracking the rip, uh, uh, the whip over cattle. Uh, he meant that the white police officers he served with were white racists. That was his term, crackers. And uh, that's why I, I can't wait, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, generally, late in the 7 o'clock hour, uh, both Bernard McGurk and Sid Rosenberg, they have on uh, Bo Dito, uh, who served in that same general period as a police officer for the NYPD and then an uh, undercover detective, plain clothes. Not what Eric Adams has now. He keeps calling it plain clothes. He says he wants to revive plain clothes undercover. That's not what it is. You need to clear the wax out of your ears. I know you know that undercover and plainclothes operations will do the job of driving violent crime down and arresting gangbangers. That's not what Eric Adams is going to do. He is going to have these 400 police officers, men and women, retrained because he doesn't trust them to remain cool, calm, and collected. They will wear some kind of a uh, jacket. Probably a blue jacket of some type, you know, a windbreaker. They will have to wear their badge where they're showcasing it, and they will have to wear the uh, video camera that will be running 24-7-365. Now, how is that undercover? How is that plain clothes? You will have young men on the corners who are steerers and clockers who will be telling everyone, 5-0-5-0-5-0, and no doubt they'll all end up riding the same... Uh, <laughs> undercover cars. 
probably Ford Tauruses that they couldn't sell, although the cars are in such a demand now, they may not be able to get any. But they'll probably get the same make and model, you know, not a marked car, but one easily identifiable with the local precinct. And the jackals uh, and the buzzards and the vultures will be on the corners screaming, 5-0, 5-0, rendering this uh, new unit as being incapable of doing what they're setting out to do because Eric Adams is handicapping them. By the way, we have a brand-new police commissioner who uh, doesn't know the lay of the land yet. Uh, and it's Phil Banks who is running the police department who has a tainted track record of corruption. So they haven't even implemented not one program within one month. Could have had the homeless outreach unit, one of the most effective units of the NYPD that worked the subways, the parks, the shelters, uh, the COVID-19 hotels that were converted for homeless living. These men and women were very adept. They wore uniforms. They knew the psychology of emotionally disturbed persons and the homeless people. And it got disbanded when de Blasio and city council defunded the police to the tune of a billion dollars along with the anti-crime unit. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. I like that idea of a demonstration outside of NFL headquarters on 52nd and Park against these two enemies of society. Dr. Dre, who made a billion dollars with those stupid headphones, who formed NWA, and of course, Snoop Dogg, who did a drive-by shooting as a crip, killed somebody, and walked out the court because people felt snitches get stitches and end up in ditches. And look at them. Halftime performance. NFL. I like that idea that came from this discussion. To reach out to all the uh, police benevolent associations in our tri-state area, have a demonstration outside of Roger Goodell's office, because he couldn't care Jack Diddley's squat about cops being killed. It's all about the bottom line. And new fans. Thug fans and thugette fans. Anyway, let's go to Frank, who's calling uh, from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Frank E. Hey, Curtis, how are you? I know uh, you don't like when people ask how you're doing, but I'm a firm believer that since we lost the mayor's race, that you should be running for Congress or Senate real soon. We got to take down Chuck Schumer. Well, uh, Frank, there are two things I'm doing. I have a pack, uh, StopSchumer.com. Uh, you can go to that. I saw Chuck E. Cheese uh, Schumer today at the uh, annual Lunar Parade, Lunar Day Parade in Flushing. He was not happy to see me there because I won that area in the mayoral race, so I had a lot of support from the Chinese-Americans. Uh, and he, he was eye-fornicating me and mad-dogging me because I'm raising money to actually uh, get a competent uh, opponent versus him on the Republican line. I've asked Republican chairmen all over the state of New York, from Buffalo to Brooklyn, I said, uh, who are your last three candidates to run against uh, Chuck E. Cheese Schumer? They drew a blank because they they never challenged him. It was like a quid pro quo. There will be a challenge now. And then I'm standing there, and uh, the congresswoman in that area is Meng. 
And uh, a lot of the Chinese Americans were said, hey, you know, uh, if you run in her district here, which encompasses not only Flushing, but Middle Village, Glendale, Maspeth, Forest Hills, Ozone Park, you could beat her. And there's no doubt that I can because um, uh, on the night that I gave my concession speech within five minutes of knowing that I had lost to Eric Adams, uh, Ming actually tweeted out, holy blankety blank. He won 12 of our election districts that are predominantly Asian. So if there was one positive thing that came out of this general election in which I was running against mayor, against Eric Adams, is I won the Asian vote, the growing Chinese-American vote, because it was a law and order vote. It was a vote to preserve gifted and talented. It was a, a vote to preserve the specialty test so that young men, young women could qualify to go uh, to Brooklyn Tech, to Bronx High School of Science, uh, to Stuyvesant, to Staten Island Tech, to Townsend on the Queens College campus, and also to stop uh, these shelters that are being pushed into neighborhoods, all neighborhoods, but especially into Asian neighborhoods. I mean, I was at a protest uh, the other day on East Broadway at Hotel 91. That would be the sixth homeless shelter put in Chinatown. They have five drug rehabilitation centers. They have two methadone clinics. They're scheduled to have a uh, drug uh, injection center where the dopines can go in there and have their drugs injected into them by a nurse. And all of that in that very condensed area of Chinatown. And this has been done also in Queens and in Brooklyn. The largest uh, Chinese Asian American community is now in Sunset Park along 8th Avenue. They want to put two separate shelters uh, along 8th Avenue, and I've assisted the community in trying to stop first de Blasio and now Eric Adams with that, and that'll be over my dead body. So stay tuned. A lot of interesting things are percolating, including the fact that uh, I will be back with all of you as I am all weekend long with WABC. The acronym stands for Always Broadcasting Curtis. As you know, I started the weekend, 1 in the morning, the 6, came back at you 2 to 4 as I finish off now. We'll start 12 midnight tonight to 6 in the morning. That's Sunday. Then it's me versus Chris Hahn, 3 to 5. And then I come back at 9. Then the 12 o'clock hour is dedicated to animal welfare, the most popular of the many shows that I do here at WABC with my wife, Nancy. And then I got to pass off the microphone of the 50,000 powerful watts of sound to the Mongolooch, the uh, Mamaluke. Frank Morano, so that he can do the next five days of the other side of midnight, which is great theater of the mind radio. Join us today during the Jeep celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE or Summit 4xE. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.